Today's Ace Monday Mastery is all about change. I'm telling you right now, we're going deep into your psyche. So if you don't want to change in your work life for the better, change the channel now. But then that means that you do want to change. So just go ahead and keep it locked. Why Monday and why mastery? Let me break it down. By now, you know ACE stands for attitude, competence, and evidence. So when we come to our work week on Monday morning, you have to have a plan. I always say start with the end in mind, but it all starts on Monday. And it all starts with you and ACE with the attitude, confidence, and evidence of success and mastery, no matter what type of work you find yourself doing right now. I'm Jabin Ferrer, Chief Strategist and Founder of Ace Work Life. Let's get right into it. Why is change so difficult? What happens when change is not obvious? What happens when change is on the horizon and you don't want to change with it and you like the season that you're in? A lot of us are kind of adverse to change. Other people love change. So whether change is good or the change is bad, either way, you should see change as opportunity. If you see change as opportunity, you're setting yourself up for success because everything changes. Barely anything stays the same. There's nothing that stays the same. So we're going to break that down today and deep dive into it. But before we do, you know it's Monday, it's the second, and we have to start the week right. So we are going to ace the Proverbs. Today, we're in Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to read verse one through five. Now, it's a lot of verses, okay? It's more than what we usually go through, but it's only five. Y'all can do it, okay? Pay attention. Verse one, Proverbs chapter two, verse one reads, my son or daughter, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god proverbs 2 1 through 5 i love all the conditions in here if 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 then have a background in technology. So if any of y'all have a background in technology, if you're a developer, a coder, or even if you just have written formulas in Excel, you know that all coding is about if this happens, then make this happen. Else, these things should happen. It's all conditions. God's word is no different. I don't know why we think we can just go and say, this will happen. It'll, it'll happen. You know, God is good. We serve a loving God and we do. But he's also giving us conditions. There's a natural that we can do. He lays it out in his word. There's a supernatural that he will do. That's the then. We have the if, he has the then. Now, if you continue to read through chapter two, you'll see a bunch of other thens that happen, a bunch of other blessings, wisdom comes to you, things like that. But then there's also some else in there. So if you don't do it, then the opposite could be true. I encourage you, since we don't have a lot of time, read through the rest of the chapter. See what stands out to you. That's Proverbs chapter two, verse one through five. 
Now, at the end, that first then, then you will find the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? What does God think? How does God think? What does God think about you? What does God think about your circumstance, your situation? So now you're starting to get the, the mind of God and you're starting to ab- you're starting to be able to move in a different way. But in accordance with our theme for today, as we transition, talking about change. See, I did that. We need to consider that you may need to change some things that you're doing or not doing in order to find that knowledge of God. So there's some habits that you may need to change related to the knowledge of God, but even beyond that in your everyday life, in your work life, in your personal life. Let's look at it. Let's look at change from an ACE perspective. What does change actually mean? Well, it is the ACE definition that we're going to break down today. C-H-A-N-G-E. The ACE definition of change is challenge habits, adopting new growth experiences. Challenge habits, adopting new growth experiences. Your habits that you do routinely, by now a habit becomes something that you don't even really have to think about. It just becomes second nature. Those of us that out here, coffee drinkers, is not even something you think about. It's, it's routine in the morning. You're going to go stop. You're going to make it. You're going to buy it. It's a habit. Okay. But the things that you don't think about many times become habits that need to be changed. So if you want to get this wisdom back to the Proverbs, then you have to be intentional about opening up your Bible and reading about wisdom and receiving what God has to say. But now we're going to break down a couple of different whys. Why do you not subscribe to change? Why do we not like change? What what are the reasons for it? I'm going to break down several several reasons why, and then I want you to be listening for which one might apply to you. And of course, we're going to have an activation at the end, the ACE activation of the day. Okay, you ready? All right, let's go with number one. The number one reason, the first reason that people don't like change is cognitive dissonance. This is this plays into it. What does that mean? Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavior, decisions, and attitude change. So sometimes it's things that's held in intention. So as an example, personal example, you want to be healthy. I'm going to step on some toes. Don't elbow the person next to you. If you're riding in a car with a spouse or on a, on a treadmill, that could be dangerous. Just, just receive this. I told you, this is going to be good medicine. Okay. You want to be healthy, but you don't exercise regularly or you don't eat the right foods regularly. Now, you know, you want to be healthy. You know, these are the things that you need to be healthy. But then there's another switch that says, eh, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to do this. So those those two things kind of contradict each other. That's cognitive dissonance. You have a thought and you have these beliefs, but the things that you're doing, the behaviors that you're doing seem to, to rival that. A professional example would be if you value innovation, but you resist technology in the workplace. And a reason that you resist technology in, in the workplace might be because it it's some habits some some new things that you have to learn. So when it comes to cognitive dissonance, does that resonate with you? Is that a reason why you don't like change? 
If not, let's go to number two. Loss aversion. Loss aversion is the preference to avoid losses rather than obtaining equivalent gains. So you rather avoid a loss. You rather you you might fear taking a loss on something. You might fear that over being able to change something and receive a new benefit. So a personal example might be avoiding an investment opportunity due to fear of money loss. You're not going to risk your money because like I'd rather hold on to the money that I have rather than risk losing it for a potential gain. A professional example might be resisting changes in job roles due to fear of losing current perks. So whether that's leaving a current opportunity because you you got it locked, you know what you're doing, people know you, you know what to expect, and you like the benefits that come along with it. Maybe you have some flexibility, some, some freedom, you might have an expense account. And if you go do something different, you're going to lose those things and you rather not lose them, even though the opportunity to gain might be greater. But you are thinking about that loss and you have an aversion to that loss. Does that resonate with you? If not, let's go to number three. Fear of the unknown. This is a big one. Anxiety provoked by unfamiliar or uncertain situations. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I don't like not knowing something. So for me, I don't necessarily have a fear of of the unknown itself. I have a fear of of not knowing. I have a fear of being in a state where I don't know. It could be perfectionism. It could be what I think people think about me. I like to be the go-to guy. I like to be the ace that, hey, I got questions. Jay's got answers. But sometimes I might be meeting with a new client. I might be in a new industry. I have to learn, even if it's a familiar industry with a, a new client, I have to learn what is the culture? what, How do they do things? What are the problems that are specific to them? And I want to be able to give answers. I want to be able to give solutions. But before I can give solutions, I have to go into a state of, of learning. I have to go into a state of asking questions. And so the benefit of asking questions, is you obtain information. But if you don't ask questions, you won't get that information. I have a fear sometimes of not knowing, but I have to overcome that because I know if I ask questions and I just give myself some grace and some space in that uncomfortable time that I'll move past it and then I'll know. So I don't have to fear it. Okay. A personal example could be avoiding social events due to uncertainty about the experience. So you could be an introvert and not want to go to a certain event because there's going to be a lot of people there. And I don't know these people. I don't know how to get down. I'm just going to keep to myself or the contrary could be true. You can be an extrovert and you love being around people, but now you're on a, you're on a trip where you just, you know, you're by yourself. You got to spend a lot of time just in, in a hotel room by yourself or somewhere. And it's like, you don't want to be alone. So both can be true. It's not an introvert extrovert thing, but we can both fear the unknown. So think about that. Is there a fear of the unknown that you have? What's on the other side of this opportunity that I'm afraid of because I don't know what I don't know about it? Then there's a confirmation bias. So a confirmation bias is the tendency to favor information confirming existing beliefs or theories. So you you already have a bias in your mind about an opportunity, about a situation. 
you already have it. And because you have it and it's so strong, you are looking for reasons to confirm what you already believe that is already true, that you already know. And you'll find it. So here's a personal example. This, this, is, a, this is a tough one. Okay, parents, if, you're, if you have kids, if you have kids, multiple kids, I bet that they're all different. I bet that every one of your kids has different personalities. It might be some similarities, but one of your kids may be, let's say, a little bit more disorganized, a little bit more messy. They don't clean their room. Maybe they don't follow through with certain things the way that you would want them to. So now what happens is with this confirmation bias, the more opportunities that this kid has to do something different and they don't do it, the more you're feeling like, yep, they confirming. I knew it. I knew they were going to clean their room. I told them to do this. They didn't do that. And what happens is over time, you stop expecting something different. Matter of fact, not only do you stop expecting something different, you, you've translated now to the kid what your mindset is about that kid. So now the kid starts believing, man, I'm messy. I can't clean. I, I don't do this. I don't do anything right. Now, I've, I've been guilty of that because what it is, you're trying to train up your child. But sometimes it's hard because as parents, you got to over and over, do this, do this, do this. You got to train. To train means repetition. I don't know why we think we can do say something one time and the child's going to change. I don't, I'm saying I don't know, but that's what I do. My wife is a lot better with that. So you have to give the child multiple opportunities and realize, okay, if I continue to be open-minded about what they're doing and how they can potentially change, maybe the situation will change. A professional example might be, let's say you're going to a brainstorm session and you know Ben's going to be there. Everybody knows Ben. Ben's going to come with the risk, he's going to come with the fear, the issues. He's going to come with the reasons why we can't do certain things. We don't even want Ben in here, but Ben is with compliance or Ben is with the engineering team. I'm trying to mix it in here so I'm not being biased to compliance and legal folks, okay? It's, this is not about you. This is really about personality and, and job function. Some people are just guardians and they know we have to protect this house. And so they're going to put out all the risk and all the things that they know needs to be addressed. It needs to be talked about. But the moment, if you have this confirmation bias, the moment Ben comes out and says, well, we tried that two years ago. You're like, oh, here we go. I knew he was going to shoot the idea down. But just listen. Maybe it is something risky there, something that you need to consider and you need to, you need to change your point of view. And then finally, there's something called sunken cost fallacy. Now, there's a certain personality type I think that's more prone to this. It's not mine. My personality type is I can I can put a cost, and I'm going to break down the definition here in a second, but I can put some time, some money, some resources to something, and then change when I see it not working. But there's another personality type that fits this definition. It's the continuation of an endeavor based on previously invested resources, even when not in the best interest or even when something is not working. So it's like, because I put so much time, so much effort, so much resources, so much brain power and thought and expectation that this is going to happen. It just has to work. It just has to work. That's a situation where you don't know 
when to hold them and when to fold them, when to walk away. So a personal example of this might be if you are in a relationship, personal relationship, and it's a dysfunctional relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship or a friendship, it's just dysfunctional, it's disharmony. And you've tried, you've tried to, to work it out. You've tried a lot of different things, counseling, conversation, put things on the table, and it's just not working. Both parties are trying. At some point, there may have to be a reconciliation of, you know what, we, we need to cut our losses, go in different directions. Um, or there may be a situation in your professional life where you persist in a project and you persist in that project that you've put a lot of money into or a product that you've created, but the product's not selling. Or it could be a marketing channel that is not generating the leads or not generating good leads or qualified leads. Or it could be, this is a tough one, it could be a hired resource that's not producing. Now you have a lot of nested issues because I put a lot of time into this person. I put a lot of time into this process. I put a lot of time into, into this procedure and it's not producing what I want it to produce. But I don't want to change because I have a fear that I've, I've invested and I've wasted time. And I don't like that feeling to feel like I've wasted time. Is that you? Now, there's a lot of other reasons why it's hard for some people to change. Um, example, social influences or um, environmental constraints. But we don't have time to get into those other ones. So I just wanted to pull out five of the key ones that you probably may resonate with. So now it's time for the ACE activation. So I'm going to I'm going to recap each one. But this time, instead of going through the definition and the examples, since you have that already, I want you to listen to whichever one resonates with you. I want you to think about how to overcome. Right. How you can overcome that specific one. So, for example, for cognitive dissonance, how do you overcome the cognitive dissonance? The, the tension and the conflict that's in your mind when you know I should do this, but my habits are doing that. Encourage reflection and alignment of behaviors with values. Create supportive environments that reinforce new aligned behaviors. So sit back and reflect on really what's important to you and think about it. What are the values? Where do your values come from? And you got to really get your mind in alignment with those values, because those values have to become your why. And that why has to be strong enough that you want to change your habits because the habits that you have are probably not leading you down a road, the best road of success. So that's how you overcome cognitive dissonance. Loss aversion. How do you overcome loss aversion? There's an emphasis on potential gains and support and reassurance to mitigate fears or losses. Change the question of if I do this, think about it this way. If I do this, this might happen in a negative way. Well, what if you flip that and said, what if I don't do this? What if I don't take this opportunity? What's what would what would happen then? Or what if I did take the opportunity and I actually actually succeed rather than what if I take the opportunity and I fail? What if I step out and I succeed? What if I step out and I win? Think about it from the other perspective. What's the opportunity cost that I'm giving up on the game, on the plus side of this thing? Okay. 
Number three, fear of the unknown. How do you overcome fear of the unknown? Break unknown elements into manageable parts. Provide clarity and information to reduce uncertainty. So in the project management world, we call this a work breakdown structure. You have a big project that you have to do, multiple moving parts, multiple tasks, activities, people that you have to talk to. We break it down and group them into like activities that maybe one person owns or it's a certain task that has to be done on a certain day or a certain type of activities. And if you if you take that approach and you say, you know what, let me break this down. I, I don't know certain things. Well, what is it that you don't know? Well, I don't know. I'm not familiar with this body of work. Well, what, how big is the work? Oh, it's, it's this manual I got to read. OK, well, how big is the manual? It's 100 pages. Oh, right, well, let's break it down into small chunks. 20 pages here, 20 pages here in a week. You'll be good. Right. So rather than looking at what's insurmountable, break it down into something that's actually manageable. Confirmation bias. How do you overcome confirmation bias? Encourage exposure to diverse information and foster open, unbiased dialogue. Remember, Ben, you have to see Ben differently. Don't see Ben as the thorn in your side. See Ben as maybe Ben is able to see my blind spots. Maybe there's blind spots that Ben can point out that if he points them out now, it'll be better than if we run into something later because we didn't see our blind spots. So you have to be open to seeing things differently. And then finally, for the sunken cost fallacy, how do you overcome that? Encourage objective evaluation of situations and allow it from others. Okay, You have to allow others to point out, listen, Jay, this just is not working. Okay. It's not that you're not working. Don't take it personal, but this process isn't working. This product isn't selling. This channel is not producing. And then you have to be able to prioritize future benefits over past investments. Know when to cut it, know when to walk away, know when to kill it when it's not working. And if you start with the end in mind and you create what the success look, look like, if I have KPIs, I have my key performance indicators. When you start a project, it's easier than later on to know if I'm hitting those KPIs. If I'm not, what can I do to hit them? If I've done everything that I can do, I'm going to give myself a timeline. If it doesn't work in three months, in six months, in a year, whatever it is, I'm going to cut it. And then you have to share that with the team or someone else that's going to hold accountable. If you know you have a tendency to not want to cut certain projects for certain losses that's it that is change every monday we're coming to you live with another ace work life focus of the week so that you can master your work and the art of living i'm jabin ferrer and i'll see you next time